I know some of you are going, man, I am glad that this series is over after today. How many are glad this series is over? Because it has been one of those series, right? It's been one of those that just like hits us right between the eyes. And the reason that it is because we're talking about our own stuff. Like it's really easy to talk about other people's stuff, right? And that's what we do a lot of times in churches. Like we kind of look out the window and point the finger at other people. But what we've decided to do in this series is just kind of look in the mirror and point the finger at ourselves. And we've been talking about some of the stuff that happens that we might go, hey, that's really not a big deal. But the word of God says it is a big deal. We've been talking about church sins and we've had kind of a a passion of scripture that's really just kind of driving us through kind of our outline for this series. If you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and turn there with me one more time this morning. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 20. And once again, Paul is talking uh, to the church. He's talking to the Corinthian church. And look what he says. He says, for I am afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find and you won't like my response. I am afraid that I will find quarreling jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, and gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. And here's what Paul is saying. Basically, Paul is saying, hey guys, sin is sin, and all sin is incredibly destructive. It keeps us from the purpose that God has for our life. It will destroy the church. It will destroy our lives. And so all sin needs to be surrendered. Everybody say surrendered. And that's what we've decided to do. We've just been going through this list one by one. It's been the outline for this series. And we've been deciding that we will surrender every one of these things, every one of these areas to God. And we've looked at every single one of them. We've looked at quarreling. We've looked at jealousy. We've looked at anger. We've looked at selfishness. Last week, oh, it was a tough one because we talked about gossip. We talked about slander. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about one that really, truthfully, is kind Kind of the root of all of these. In fact, really, all of these other sins kind of grow out of this one that we're going to talk about today. Today, we're going to talk about arrogance. Everybody say arrogance. Or another word that we might call that is pride. Pride. Now, I know some of you are going, wait a second. Like, I'm not a prideful person. Like, I don't deal with pride. Well, let me just tell you, every one of us deal with pride. Isn't that true? Like, I mean, just think about this for a second. All right, you ever been, like, looking at pictures? Or maybe you were, you were in a group picture. Or maybe in, you know, they got the selfie things. And then you got the ussies, right? Where it's, like, more than one. In fact, my little girls were telling me yesterday that an ussie is when there's two. And then when there's more than two, it's called a groupie. When I was a kid, groupie was called something else. But, right? And so, so maybe you've been in one of those pictures. And you're, like, you know, you're taking the, taking the groupie picture and whatever. And whenever you look at the picture, who is the first person that you look at? Yourself, right? Like, in fact, that's how you determine whether it's a good picture or not. Like, you look at it and go, hey, I look good. That's a good picture. And it doesn't matter if everybody else doesn't look good. And then if you look at it and you're like, man, I don't like the way I look in that. It doesn't matter that the whole family, everybody else looks great. It's a terrible picture because you don't look good in it, right? Because sometimes we are the center focus of life, right? 
sometimes we're filled with kind of like kind of this pride, kind of this, we may not call it this, but kind of this, this arrogance, like everything is focused on me. In fact, I remember one time uh, my dad did this little trick on me and he told me, he said, hey, I got this new pen and it writes really good. I just want you to see how it writes. Why don't you test it out? And so I got the pen and I started writing and guess what I wrote? My name. Right? Try that just sometimes. Like, hey, just hey, write something with this pen. Guess what? About 90% of people, guess what we'll write? Our names. Why? Because something deep down inside of us, there's like, there's this self-centered kind of a focus. There's kind of this, kind of this arrogance, kind of this pride, kind of this attitude that, that life is really just kind of all about me. And it's not really a new thing, actually. It's actually something that has been happening since the very, very beginning of time. In fact, even before the beginning of time, even before Adam and Eve were created and placed upon this earth, this issue of pride and arrogance was a problem. In fact, we find the account of the very first account of pride or arrogance in the, in the scriptures in Isaiah chapter chapter 14 and verse number 13 and before the earth was even created there was this angel and his name was Lucifer and he comes to God and he's dealing with this issue and he thinks he's better than God he thinks he wants to be like God and look what it says in Isaiah 14 and verse 13 that Lucifer has said in his heart he says I will ascend to heaven I will raise my throne above the stars I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly of the most utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the top of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. I mean, notice this. Notice how many times he says this word, I. I will ascend. I will be great. I will sit upon the throne. I will, I will, I will, I will. Five times in just those two verses, he says these words, I will. Now contrast that with when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane about to go to the cross He's not saying, I will. What is he saying? He's saying, no, no, not what I will, but what you will, God. Here's the deal. Pride is an issue because we get so focused upon ourselves. In fact, right in the middle of that word pride is the problem. That letter right in the, me- in the middle, that I. I am the problem. I am the one who thinks that I'm better than I am. I am the one who who wants to be like God. It's my own selfishness, my own arrogance, my own pride. And that arrogance and pride really is the sin that is at the bottom of all of these other sins. I mean, think about it. Quarreling and jealousy and anger and slander and gossip and all of these things, they really flow right out of this root issue The issue is pride, and pride is the root of all other sin. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about it today, and we're just going to kind of look at it from kind of the same perspective that we've looked at many of these other issues in this series, and we're just going to ask three questions today about pride. We're going to talk about what is it, and then we're going to talk about what does it do, and then we're going to talk about how do we get it out of our lives. So we're going to start this morning with what is it. So everybody say, what is it? 
If you're taking notes, write this down. I like this little definition of pride. Like I was trying to get like really, really fancy and really technical about pride. And then I heard this definition that Craig Groeschel gives. And so I thought this is just really what it is. Pride is this. You ready for this? Pride is when we think we are hot and we are not. Like pride is when we think we're hot. We think we're better than we are. We think we're hot, but we're not. It's like my dad used to say when I was a kid, you think you're hot snot, but you're really just cold boogers, you know? I mean, (laughs) and we all know people like that, right? We've all kind of been like that before. And that's really, really simply put, that's what pride is. Pride is thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. And in fact, the scripture talks about this in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. It says, don't think better, don't think you are better than you really are, but be honest. Everybody say honest. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. The Bible says, hey, don't measure yourselves by your own standards. That's pride. When you think that you are better than you are. But instead, that we should be measuring ourselves against God's standards. Pride is when, when I think I'm hot and I'm not. Pride is when I think I'm more than I really is, than I really am. Pride is when I measure myself by any other standard than God's standard. And how does this play out in our lives? Well, I really think that there's three kind of, kind of descriptions of pride or three ways that pride kind of, kind of plays out in our life. If you're taking notes, the first one is this. There's the I'm better than you pride. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, I'm better than you. Look at your other neighbor and say, no, you're not. I'm better than you. I'm better than you pride. Now, now this is the pride Probably that when we talk about this word pride or we talk about this word arrogance is probably what you think about. You probably all know someone that kind of has this kind of an attitude. And yet sometimes we can have this kind of attitude in our own lives. And yet it's really, it's really difficult for us to recognize it in the mirror. And so let me just help you in, in, in looking at do I have this kind of pride. Well, let me just give you a couple things. First of all, if you, if you are critical, you might have this kind of pride. Like if you like have a critical attitude or a critical spirit or a critical heart, if you're one of those kind of people that are always going, man, they can't do it right and nobody can do it better than me, right? And my wife can't do it right. My kids just can't do it right. If I got to have to do it right, I got to do it myself. And the pastor can't do it right. And the boss can't do it right. And nobody can do it as good as me. And you criticize everything and everyone. You might have some dealing with some I'm better than you pride. You know, it plays out sometimes in the church, too, in in attitudes that we have, even as Christians or even as a church, where we get kind of this spiritual arrogance. Like, nobody can worship God like me, or like, my way for worshiping God is the only way to worship God, or the way our church does, it's the only way that it can be done, or the way I see the scripture is the only way the scripture can be seen, and it plays out in kind of this arrogance, even in our, even in our spiritual attitudes. In fact, we, we see this kind of an example of this in the book of Luke chapter 18, in this parable that Jesus tells about, about a Pharisee and a tax collector, and, and if you know, 
anything about the story. The Pharisees were known for being super spiritual. And man, they would dress up in their, in their spiritual clothes and they would pray these really fancy prayers. And on the outside, man, they just really seemed to have it all together and be super spiritual. And then, then the tax collectors, nobody liked the tax collectors. Everybody hate the tax collectors because they were cheating the people. In fact, they were born Jewish, but they had kind of gone in with the Roman government. And so they were almost like traitors against the Jews. And they were cheating these people and taking portions of the taxes for themselves and charging too much. And everybody hated the Pharisees. And so Jesus says, hey, there's this, there's this Pharisee and there's, and there's this tax collector. And they go in to pray. Kind of sounds like the beginning of a joke doesn't it? And they go in to pray and, and he says, here's what happens in Luke chapter 18 and verse 11. It says, the Pharisee stood up and he began to pray and here's what he prayed. He says, God, I thank you that, that I'm not like the other men, robbers and evildoers and adulterers and evil like this tax collector standing over here. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I give to God. Jesus said that the tax collector stood over at a distance, and he wouldn't even look up to heaven. Instead, he beat his chest and he said, God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. One was arrogant. One was humble. Jesus said, which one do you think God heard their prayer? Not the Pharisee who had it all together on the outside, but the evil tax collector who humbled himself before God. I'm better than you, pride. Here's another way that it kind of kind of plays out in our lives sometimes. It's kind of the I can handle it myself, pride. It's like, I don't need nobody's help. I got this down. I can do it myself. I can handle it myself. And, and you, might, you might notice this in your own life sometimes. Like if you're the kind of person that just has a hard time ever asking for help, maybe you're dealing, maybe the real issue is pride down in your heart. Maybe you're that kind of person that people try to bless you or people try to do things for you. And you're like, no, 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 give that to somebody else. I don't want it. I don't need it. Give it to somebody else. And maybe the deep down issue is really more of an issue of pride in your heart. I can handle it myself. I don't need anybody else's help. I can do this myself. Some of you men here, just like that, you're driving somewhere and you're like, I don't need no GPS and no map. I ain't stopping to ask for directions. We're going to drive around for three hours if it takes us three hours. We're not going to stop for directions because I can handle it myself. Like, who needs to read the instructions? I'll just put it together myself. I know I got 15 bolts and screws left over here when it's together, but I did it all by myself. And sometimes this plays out even in our spiritual walk, in our prayer life. Like if you're one of those people that you pray sometimes and sometimes you don't, and you're kind of on again, off again, on again, off again, it might be an issue of pride. If you begin making decisions without asking God what he would want you to do in your life, it may be an issue of pride. I can handle it myself. You know, we see this in the story of the prodigal son. Remember the oldest son who goes to his dad and says, Dad, I want my inheritance because I want to go out on my own. I don't need you or anybody else anymore. And he goes out on his own. And what happens? He wastes it all and is gone. He finds himself in the middle of a pig pen. And finally he wakes up and he humbles himself and comes back to God. I can do it myself. I can handle it, pride. Let, let her see. Write this one down. Here's a, here's a big one for a lot of us. This kind of pride is, 
it doesn't apply to me, pride. Well, that might apply to everybody else, but I'm above the rules. That doesn't apply to me. You might know you're struggling with this kind of pride if you're one of those people who takes 15 items into the 10-item-only lane at the grocery store. If you're one of the people who, like, when traffic backs up, you wait till, or road construction, you wait till the very last minute to cut over, and then you're like, let me in, right? The rules don't apply to me. You know what that is? Pride. It's all about me. It's not about anybody else. And it doesn't apply to me because I can do what I want. And sometimes we do this even in our spiritual life. Well, I know what the Bible says about sexuality and about keeping myself pure. But I'm looking at the porn anyway. Or I'm living with my boyfriend or sleeping around or whatever. Because it doesn't apply to me. I'll just come to church on Sunday, raise my hands and worship God. Then I'll go out and do the things that I want the way I want in the week. Because it doesn't apply to me. And I know what the Bible says about forgiving people as God has forgiven us, but you don't know what that person did, and that really is not applied to me in this situation, and really what it comes down to, it comes down to arrogance and pride. I mean, we see this with the story of David. You may remember a king, a God, a man, the Bible says, after God's own heart. And yet, at one time, it said that it was a time when kings should be going off to war. But David thought, ah, that doesn't apply to me. I'm the king. I can do what I want. And so when he should have been off to war, the Bible says he stayed home. And he was home. And because he was home, he went to the roof. And he looked out, and he saw Bathsheba. And there she was. She was bathing on the top of her roof. I don't know why she was bathing on top of her roof. But she was bathing on the top of her roof. And because he wasn't where he's supposed to be, he saw something that he shouldn't have seen. He thought some things that he shouldn't have thought. He did some things that he shouldn't have done. And it caused so much problem as he had an affair and then wind up having somebody killed. And it all was this attitude of pride. I should be off to war, but that doesn't apply to me. I'm going to do what I want because I have a prideful spirit. What is pride? Pride is when you think you're hot and you're not. Pride is when you think, well, I'm better than you, or I can handle it on my own, or it doesn't apply to me. So what do we do about it? What do we do about pride? Well, let's talk about pride and what it does in our lives first. If you're taking notes, let's just look at what the scripture says about, about the problem with pride. That first of all, pride produces conflict. Everybody say conflict. You know, at the root of every single human conflict, guess what is right at the root of it? Pride. Anytime you have an argument, anytime you have a fight, anytime you have a conflict with someone else, really at the root of it is our own pride. I want what I want, and you want what you want, and nobody is willing to compromise, and we're prideful, and there's this, there's this pride in our hearts. I mean, you think about it, in your marriage, every time that there's a fight, almost every single time, it's a, it's a pride issue. I want what I want, and she wants what she wants, and I want to have control over the remote, and she wants to watch Once Upon a Time, and there ain't no way we're watching once upon a time because we're watching the football game. How many know what I'm talking about, right? And there's this, there's this pride. She's sitting over there giving me a little look and I'm dealing with, dealing with my own pride right now. And man, it happens in our, in our marriage. It happens at work. It happens in church. It happens in relationships. In fact, the scripture says it like this in Proverbs 3 and verse 10. Pride only leads to quarrels. Proverbs 28 and 25 says... 
He who is proud at heart stirs up strife. Maybe you got a lot of strife in your relationships. Maybe you need to look at your heart. Is there a pride issue going on in my heart? An arrogance and a pride. And notice this letter B. Pride prevents growth. Guess what? It is impossible. Everybody say impossible. It is impossible to learn anything when you already know it all. How many know somebody like that? They just know it. I mean, if they're here, don't point at them. That's just not nice. Don't do that. You know what? Sometimes we think, man, I know it all. And you can't learn anything if you think you already know it all. In fact, it even happens at church sometimes. I mean, I'll have people come up to me after church and be like, Pastor, that was such a great message. Man, I wish so-and-so would have been here to hear it because I know that would have been really good for them. And I'm being nice, but I'm thinking, no, you needed to hear it. And we have, this, we have this issue of thinking that we, we're so smart and thinking that we already know it all. In fact, I like this little quote that somebody said one time. They said, the greatest obstacle to discovery is not ignorance, but the illusion of knowledge. It's not our ignorance that's the problem. It's the fact that we think we already know it all. And what is that? That's pride. And here's the deal. You don't know it all. And as long as we keep thinking that we've got it all figured out, guess what? We're not going to learn anything. The Bible says in Proverbs 10, verse 17, it says, Anyone willing to be corrected is on the what? On the pathway to life. But anyone refusing has already lost his chance. The Bible says, hey, when we refuse to be corrected, when we think we already know it all, when nobody can tell us anything, when we have a prideful attitude or a prideful spirit or a prideful heart, the Bible says, we have lost our chance to grow. Proverbs 11 and verse 2 says, Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes what? Comes wisdom. How do we gain wisdom? How do we learn and grow? By humbling ourselves and realizing that we don't already know it all. Pride prevents growth. Let her see, write this one down. Pride precedes failure. We've all seen this before, right? Someone who gets a little, little, you know, big-headed. Someone who gets a little arrogant, a little cocky. You can see it coming. They can't see it, but you can see it from a mile away, right? Like we see it in sports sometimes. When you see a team that they just start to think that they, they got it, you know? And then what happens? They're setting themselves up. You can see it. You set them up. They set themselves up for a fall. It's kind of like, uh, like Rocky. Remember that? Remember, I like Rocky Three. It was one of my favorite movies ever. You remember that? Like he's fighting Mr. about to fight Mr. T, and he's already had like ten wins, and he's like getting all cocky and whatever. Mr. T is over there, and he's, you know, working out, and he's training. And he's in the, you know, in the dirt and the sweat and whatever. And Rocky's just kind of hitting on the bag like that. And he's got this party and all these girls and all this stuff around him. Remember that? And you just know it. I mean, the music and everything is set in the scene. You know that he is about to go. He's about to be in for a fall. And that's what the scripture talks about. The scripture says in Proverbs 16 and verse 18 that pride leads to destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 and verse 12. Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud. And we see it over and over. We've seen it in our own lives. We see it in the story of the prodigal son or in David or in Samson or in Peter and a whole bunch of other people throughout the Bible that when we have pride in our heart, we are setting ourselves up for failure. 
In fact, the scripture says it like this. It says in James 4 and verse 6 that God opposes. Everybody say opposes. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Let me tell you something. There's no worse place to be in the world than in opposition to God. You'll lose every single time. The scripture tells us in 1 Peter 5 and 6 that if we will humble ourselves under God's mighty hand, that he will then lift us up in due time. Pride, it's a big deal. When I think I'm hot and I'm really not, man, it prevents me from growing. It causes me to have failures. It causes conflict in my life. So what do I do about it? How do we get rid of of pride, how do we get rid of this issue of arrogance? Well, I want you to just notice two simple things here this morning. The first one we're going to do is we're going to start looking up. Everybody say, look up. Look up. See, before you can bow down, here's what you got to do. You got to look up. Before you bow your knee, you got to lift your head. And here's, here's what I mean by this is that when I start looking up to God and I start, I start looking at all he has done in my life, And I start realizing that anything that I have in my life to be prideful about really didn't come about because of me. It only came about because of him. And the more I look up to him, the less I have to be prideful. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, man, I'm proud of how smart I am. Well, think about it. Who is the one that gave you that brain? Who was the one that gave you the ability to learn? Who was the one that gave you the intellect or the wisdom? The Bible says in Proverbs, 9, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Maybe you're here this morning, you're proud of how successful you are in life. Well, let me tell you something. Who was it that gave you the ability to have the success that you have in your life? In fact, Jeremiah 29 and 11 says that it was him who has plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us hope and a future. Maybe you're here and you're going, man, I'm proud of how much money I have or how wealthy I am. Well, we learned last week in Deuteronomy 8 and 18 that it is God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I'm proud of how good looking I am. Well, let me tell you something. I got news for you. Who was it that gave you those good looks? The Bible says that he knit you together in your mother's womb, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that everything that we have comes from him. And anything... Anything that we would, that I would have to stand up here and be proud about or that you would have to be proud about in your life, anything came from him. In fact, the scripture says it like this in James 1 and verse 7. It says, every good and perfect gift comes from where? From above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Everything that we have came from him. We are nothing without him. And if we have anything, it is what? The Bible says says it is a gift it's not because we're so great or we're so smart or we're so good looking or we're so successful or we're so whatever talented no 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 it's a gift anything that you have today you only have because God has given it to you scripture says in first Corinthians 4 and verse 7 it says for who makes you different from anyone else and what do you have that you did not receive and what did you receive And if you did receive it, then why do you boast as though you did not? Guess what? Everything we have comes from Him. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look up. And instead of being prideful, here's what we're going to be. We're going to be 
grateful. See, a lot of times people think that the opposite of pride is humility. And in some sense that is true. But I would say that the opposite of pride actually begins with gratitude. Begins by saying, you know what? I recognize, hey, maybe I do have a good life. Maybe I, maybe I am successful. Maybe I am good looking. Amen. Amen. Whatever. <laughs> I'm just messing. I'm just messing. But what, maybe I have Whatever. And I'm not going to say, I don't have it. No, I'm going to recognize where it came from. And I'm going to be grateful for it. That's the beginning of humility. The beginning of humility is gratitude. It's thankfulness. It's recognizing where whatever I have came from and being thankful for it. In fact, I like what Mark Batterson said. He says, any time that any blessing that is not turned to praise will turn to pride. And it's so true that when God blesses us, if we don't immediately turn that back to praise and gratitude and worship to the God who blessed us with it, it has the potential to turn to pride in our lives. So what do we do? We spend our lives looking up, looking at what God has done, looking to Him, the Father of heavenly lives who brings down every good and perfect gift into our lives. And we recognize that I'm not who I am because I'm so great. I'm who I am because I am His child and He made me that way and he has blessed me with what I have and so I will be grateful instead of being prideful I will have gratitude towards God I'm gonna look up everybody say look up let her be write this one down here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna start looking around how many know it's hard to be focused on yourself if you're focused on somebody else it's hard to put you first when you're putting others first it's hard to put me first when I'm putting my wife first It's hard for me to put me first when I'm putting my kids first. It's hard for me to be first when I'm putting my neighbors first. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to look up and we're going to realize that everything that we have came from God. And then we're going to start looking around and we're going to realize that God gave me everything that He gave me so that, not so that I could have it for myself and use it for myself and boast in that and be prideful about that, but instead so that I can use what He has blessed me with and what He has given me to be a blessing to others. I'm going to look around and I'm I'm going to see the needs of others around me and I'm going to serve them because I can't be first if I'm putting others first. Philippians 2 and verse 3, this is what it says. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. That's the opposite of what we said pride was. Pride was when I think that I'm better than others. But look what it says we do. We're going we're gonna to put others above ourselves, thinking of others better than ourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, but instead he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death upon the cross. Look at those words. It says, hey, here's what Jesus did. He humbled himself. He came down from his position of honor in heaven. He took on human form. He He came down to where we were. He humbled himself to serve us. And the scripture says that's the kind of attitude that you should have. The same attitude as that of Christ Jesus that we get our eyes off of ourselves. 
We get our eyes off of our own position. We get our eyes on other people. How can I love? How can I serve? How can I help? And as we begin to serve, here's what happens. It begins to take this pride and this arrogance and it begins to change us from the inside out. See, I like this little quote that that Rick Warren gives about humility. See, a lot of times we think humility is when I'm like, oh, I'm nobody and I'm nothing and I'm just little. No, no. That's not what humility means. You know, I I like what he says. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. That's what humility is about. It's not going, hey, I'm nobody and I'm nothing. No, no, no. God made you somebody. You are something. You are his child. But here's the deal. We aren't pride in who we are. We have pride in who he is and what he has done through us. And it's not about, it's not about thinking less of ourselves. It's about thinking about ourselves less and thinking about others more. And the more we do that, man, the more it begins to change. Imagine what your relationships could be like. Imagine what your home life could be like. Imagine what your family could be like your marriage could be like imagine what your work life could be like imagine what your friendships and your relationships could be like if you begin to take this attitude that you recognize hey God has made me something I'm not anything except because of what he has done and instead of me trying to be first I'm going to put others first and instead of looking at myself I'm going to look around and find others and see how can I serve others imagine what would change in your life arrogance Pride, it's really where all the rest of these sins really stem from. Some of you here today, maybe you would recognize some areas of pride in your own life. Maybe you're even sitting there and you're going, man, I've got kind of that better than you pride. Maybe I think that I got the corner on the market. And maybe today would be the day when you would humble yourself and you say, hey, it's not about me. I'm going to serve and love others. Maybe some of you are here right now and you recognize this in your own life. You've got the I can handle it on my own pride and maybe today you would need to humble yourself and maybe ask for and receive some help there are people that are here today that want to help you and that they love you if you just humble yourselves before them maybe some of you are here today and maybe you've been living this kind of that doesn't apply to me kind of a life and you've got that kind of pride in your life and maybe today would be the day when you would repent and you would surrender every part of your life to God's ways and to his will and instead of saying I will you would be saying thy I will be done in my life. See, here's the bottom line of this whole message. Really, I think the bottom line of this whole series really is this. The more prideful we become, the further away from God we get. But the more we get close to God, the more humble we become. See, the Bible says that God opposes the proud, but He gives gives grace. To the humble. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you recognize yourself in some of these. I recognize myself sometimes in some of these. And it's, it's ugly and it's not good. But here's the good news is that if we come to God, humbling ourselves before him, just like the prodigal son, when he recognized what he had done and how far away he had gone. And he finally woke up that morning and he said, man... Even just to be a servant in my father's house would be better than this. And he turned from where he was and he got up and he began to walk back towards the father. And here's the deal here this morning. The father is standing there waiting. All we have to do is humble ourselves. Take that step towards him. And I promise you, if you'll take the first step towards him, he will come and run in.